Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Uh, tonight we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, almost finished with the book of 1 Peter. Um, started it while we were still meeting outside. And... Uh, not doing an Advent series, just uh, continuing on in First Peter. Um, next week, we will finish the book of First Peter, uh, assuming we're able to meet. Lord willing, in the creek stone, no rise, right? Um, but tonight, we're going to look at the last, second to last section here, uh, in chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, where the, the, the main point seems to be that we must humble ourselves before the Lord. Um, this is following up on last week uh, where uh, he, he was talking and saying uh, that, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And in this week, uh, he spells out the implications of, of that fact. Now let's go ahead and read our text and, um, and then we'll dive in. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brethren throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, help us to understand it. Help us to feed on your word. Give us sustenance that we can live on. Lord, you said when you were facing the temptations in the wilderness, the man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. It comes from the Father's mouth. Let us long for the pure milk of the word in that way. Let us be satisfied with what you have given us in your word. Give me strength and grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, last week ends with this this quotation from the Old Testament where he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And he begins tonight's text spelling out one of the implications of that. So because of this fact, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, therefore, he tells us, and you can see the therefore there in verse 6, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. There's this principle 
God does not like the proud, the boastful. Instead, He gives grace and He gives favor to the humble, to the weak, to those who can't do anything to help themselves. And so, he, as an implication of that, Peter is telling us that in the midst of this hostile world, we should humble ourselves. What does it mean to be humble? What does it mean to be humble? Uh, there's going to be some of that being spelled out here in the text, but I'll just I kind of give a, a, a simple definition here. It's not, not to think too highly of ourselves. It's, it's kind of the opposite of being proud and boastful. Um, we Our trust is not in ourselves and in our own abilities, but our trust is in Him. Our trust is in what He can do. He tells us, humble ourselves, and then He says, under the mighty hand of God. This phrase, the mighty hand of God, has kind of exodus imagery. How is it that God saved his people from Egypt, from out of Egypt? He saved them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, right? When we think of the mighty hand of God, we think of his power to save. And when we, when we hear this, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, we know that God's mighty hand is able to work for us. We don't have to... To, to do it ourselves. We don't have to depend on ourselves, but we can depend on the mighty hand of God that parted the Red Sea. We can depend on the mighty hand of God that raised His Son, Jesus, from the dead. So we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that He, at the proper time, He may exalt you. There's two things here. One... When we humble ourselves, He will exalt us. That's flowing from the principle we see in verse 5. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So the, 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 the implication of that is, if we want God to exalt us, not, not that we might be worshipped, not that we might be exalted like He is exalted, but so that we might be with Him someday. If we want to be exalted in that sense, if we want to, to have favor, have his favor, then we need to humble ourselves. And, and he says, at the proper time. We can be so impatient sometimes. Right? We, we want it to be now. <laughs> we want God to turn things around. If I humble myself, you've got you to gotta exalt me now, right? That's what we want. We, we want it. We want. We're an instant society. We, right, we, you know, we make things in the microwave. You know, we want it now. But he says, at the proper time, he will exalt. We're not promised anything in this life, but we are promised that we have a hope that is secure in heaven forever. That's held by him, and it will never fade away. It will always be completely satisfying. We humble ourselves now in this life. While, while, while we, are, we are living in the midst of a hostile world, strangers and aliens, when people slander us and persecute us because of our faith in Jesus, our response is not to lash back 
when it's to humble ourselves, trusting in God because He will exalt us at the proper time. That is, at the end, when the veil is torn away, whenever He comes again, then He follows this up by saying, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. That's a favorite verse, isn't it? And uh, there's even a song, you know, I cast all my cares upon you. I lay all of my burdens down at your feet. You may know the song, I don't know. It says, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. You may have heard this as an imperative. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. That's the way the NIV translates it. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Now, I don't want to knock the NIV. I don't have any necessary problems with, with that. In fact, I think it, it, it is some of the force of what's saying here. But we do need to recognize that grammatically it is more correct to say casting all your cares, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And the relate, that shows that there's a relationship with what comes before and what comes after here. See, how is it that we're going to humble ourselves? It's one of the things we do to humble ourselves is by casting all our cares upon him. When, when he says casting all your care, anxieties upon him because he cares for you, that is, that is the means, that is the instrument in which how we are, are to humble ourselves. We humble ourselves by casting our cares on Him. If we're not casting our cares on Him, that means we're trying to carry Him in our own weight, in our own strength, right? And that's proud. We've got to remember, I don't have the strength to carry my burdens. I don't have the strength. Only He does. And so, we cast our cares on Him out of an act of humility. We say, I don't have it. I don't have enough. And we cast those cares, and we cast those anxieties on Him. Because He cares for you. That is something we need to be reminded of. Sometimes we might think, man, my world is going crazy. I, I, no, no, nothing seems to make sense right now. Does God even really care? We're reminded by this text, he does care for us. And that's why we are to cast our cares upon him. One of my favorite sayings about, about this text here is it's a reminder. John Piper says this, if you know who he is. He says, you can't cast them if you don't have them. Right? Some people want to just live in denial that they have any anxiety at all, right? Uh, that, that everything is good, everything is happy, you know, you know, just think positive all the time. When Peter tells us, casting all of our cares on him, that's not something we can obey unless we admit we've got them. <laughs> we've got anxieties, we've got cares, we've got concerns and things that worry us. That's just part of life. Our, our response then is not to be live in denial and, and say those things aren't real. Our response is we give those things to the Lord and we trust that He's able to take care of it. 
We trust, you know, maybe we don't understand everything. Maybe we won't understand everything until we see him face to face. But we trust that he's good and that he, he can handle our anxieties. He changes here in focus. He, he was talking about humility and, and casting our cares upon him. And now he, he gives some more instructions that we're to be sober-minded and watchful. We've got to be alert. We, we've got to, like, like he says, be sober-minded. We don't want anything clear, clouding our vision, clouding our, uh, our senses, but we need, to, we need to be alert and we need to be watchful guard, you know, because there's an enemy out there. Got military man here. I'm sure you experienced have to watch out for the enemy, right? You got to be alert. You got to be watchful because there's an enemy out there who seeks your death. Here, the enemy he's talking about. He says, "Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour." The Old Testament had a picture of the enemies of God's people like a lion that roars. And here, Peter uses the same imagery to talk about the devil, about Satan. He says, our adversary, the accuser of the brethren, the one who is our enemy, the devil, Satan, he's real. It's not just some way of personifying evil. But there is a real personal devil. That's what the Bible talks about. Now, he is not sovereign like God is. God is sovereign. God is ultimate. The devil is just a creation. The devil is on a leash. The devil can do nothing without at least God's permission. He says here, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy you. And he's going to use suffering to try to devour our faith. Isn't this interesting? You know, when Joseph met his brothers after they came to Egypt... They were all concerned about how, what, what they were gonna, what Joseph was gonna think of them, and Joseph said, "Don't worry, what God, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, right?" And, and we think the same thing about the cross. In Acts chapter two, I think it is, whenever Peter's giving his sermon on the Pente on Pentecost, he says that what wicked men did in crucifying Jesus. Those wicked men were responsible for what they did, and yet it was the plan of God that he had foreordained before the foundation of the world. God did it, and wicked men did it. And here we see suffering that we've seen throughout the book of 1 Peter is something that God brings into our lives to refine us and make us more like gold, to, to, to burn out all those impurities. But what God means for good, Satan means for evil. He wants 
Satan's purposes are to try to make us give up. Try to make us give in. To give in to temptation or to just give up altogether. It's not worth it, he wants us to say. The adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. And the roaring lion that we might fear is suffering. All of that suffering that we experience is like the bark of the devil. If we're in Christ, if we're trusting in Him, all that bark can't touch us. Because He holds us in His hands. We're not just to be passive here. We're not just to be passive. We're to be active. We're to be sober-minded. We're to be watchful. And here he says, resist him. Resist him. Be aware. There is a devil out there who wants to destroy you, who wants to make you give up on your faith. That is what the devil wants to do. And what are we to do? Resist him. That's active. It's not something we just passively sit by about. It's active. We resist him. Firm in our faith. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brethren throughout the world. One of the things we can remind ourselves to, to try to, to in, encourage our faith while we face the roaring lion of the devil is to remember the suffering I'm experiencing. There are other brothers and sisters throughout the world that are experiencing the same kinds of suffering. Maybe not identical, but all kinds of suffering. My brothers and sisters throughout the world, and some are unimaginable sufferings. Think of Christians who were, a few years ago, let out on a beach in orange clothing and had their heads chopped off. We think of, of the suffering that our brothers and sisters throughout the world experience, and it can help us to identify with them. That's part of how we resist him and stand firm in the faith. We've we got a grasp on reality. We're not just in this all by ourselves. But we are part of a kingdom of citizens who have a king who's coming again one day. When we're called to be sober and watchful, we are reminded we've got we to have the right vision of the world. We've got to remember we've got a king who's coming someday and he's going to set all things right. One of these days, his enemies will all be put under his feet. And we'll reign with him. Verse 10. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Sometimes these words can be hard to hear. After you have suffered a little while. It doesn't feel like a little while, doesn't it? It doesn't feel like a little while. Sometimes it feels like it's just persistent, going over and over and over again, and it just feels like there's no end in sight to our suffering. And yet, in comparison to the future glory that will be revealed one day, it's just a little while. 
We're looking forward to that hope of eternity with Him. He says, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace calls Him the God of grace. He is a gracious God. He gives to us what we don't deserve. The God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ. Earlier on in 1 Peter it says we've been called, we're believers, we've been called out of darkness and into the light to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us from darkness into light. That's what it says. He has transformed us. He has made us new. New creatures. The old is gone. The new has come. The God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's what we have to look forward to. In this time, right now, in this present evil age, things get bad. We, we feel the weight of suffering. We feel the weight of, of persecution. And we feel the weight of slander against us. But one day He's coming and He's going to set all things right. He will restore us. us. He will strengthen us. He will vindicate us. And then again, in praise to God, to Him, that is Jesus Christ, to Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. What is it that Peter is calling on for, for, for Jesus to ha- actually, you know, we, we, we read this as a doxology. The verb is not there. There, there is no verb. It's just... To him, the dominion forever and ever. Okay? So you have to supply the verb. And oftentimes, we supply that with a may it be. And because there's no verb, it may be, and it probably is, that Peter is recognizing to him is the dominion. He is the king of kings. He is right now the, the Lord of glory. He is, he is in control of all the universe. He is in control when we are suffering. And He is using those things for His glory and our good. Even when we can't see it, we are to be reminded to Him be dominion forever and ever and ever. Even if it doesn't look like it right now, as we look out into this world that's so crazy, we look at the political situations, and people dying from this disease that, that we've not seen anything like it in more than a generation, yet he's in control. He is that nobody has knocked him off the throne. Forever and ever. Amen. Your last word. Amen? That's something we can trust. Let's trust Him. He is in control. And when the devil comes against us, roaring, we humble ourselves. We trust in Him, not in ourselves. Because He is good, trustworthy, He's 
full of grace. And he will rescue us from the glory of God. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church in Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.